Good morning, everyone. I am so glad to see you guys here today. I see some new faces in the crowd. I see some returning faces in the crowd. And I am excited to, to have you guys with us here as we worship the Lord today. Um, I see people have moved, have shifted their seats around and were able to get back in their original assigned seats they had. So that's pretty good, right? So I, I saw a thing on Facebook one day, and it was a little cartoon, and it was a guy, it was at a, it was at a Baptist church, I'm sure, and they went up to some visitors and said, we're glad to have you with us today, but that's our seat you need to move. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely us, but it's okay. I'm glad to have us all here today. I'm glad to, I'm glad and excited that we have lots of announcements and things going on. Uh, I'm going to start with one that I'm very excited about. And you know, I almost went and made a movie, one of those like trailer type movies to play. And I still made before it's all over, but I'm excited to announce the return of Vacation Bible School this summer. La yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Last summer was a different summer than most of us have ever lived through. And um, we, um, we didn't get to do some things like that. And a vacation Bible school this week, this year, is June the 27th through the 30th. Those dates are a little different. That'll begin on a Sunday. We'll have our opening night on Sunday. And on Wednesday night, we'll have our closing night and we'll have parents' night. But more information to come. But what I want to know, what I want my request is right after church today, if you're interested in helping, would you meet me in the back corner? Because I am just trying to get names down of some people who would be interested in helping to see what that looks like. And we'll have an official meeting in the next week or two. Um, so, well, actually, probably within a week. So, and that way I can get you guys phone numbers and information. And that way I can contact you guys about when to meet. Um, so, right after service. Uh, Joy has asked me to announce something, but I don't think I'm going to. I'm just kidding, Joy. Um, Thursday, May the 20th at 6 o'clock at Joy's house, and I heard already last week he wouldn't announce her address on the Internet live, and I think she wrote it down and told me to announce the top of it. I think she wants me to tell everybody her address, but I'm not going to. So she gave you a paper, and if you have information, if you want more information about it, um, it's a WMU kickoff for a new season of WMU. Like I say, we are getting back to we're getting back to some normalcy in our state and in our country, and I'm excited about that. So uh, just keep that in mind. Um, also, work day Thursday night at six o'clock. I'm assuming, right? Uh, six o'clock. They want to have a work day. I think the weather's going to cooperate with us this week. Um, don't forget our regular Wednesday night Bible study and our youth and children's activities at uh, 6.30 on Wednesday. Um, next Sunday is a very special day for our seniors who are graduating some colleges and graduating uh, high school. And uh, there's our graduation recognition Sunday. So if you have a senior and I've missed you somehow, whether you're graduating from a college or whatever it is, and I've missed you somehow. Um, I do know one person I've got to talk to before, we, before I leave today, but uh, I've, I've made contact with everyone. Please, if you can, wear your cap and gown next week. I want to recognize you in front of everybody and the accomplishments that you have um, accomplished. So, yes. Yes, you like my array of words. I'm, I'm very, I'm very smart. I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> Woo, listen at that. 50 years. Doug, how'd you do it? I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so Doug and Joanne's 50th anniversary Saturday. That's exciting news. But right now, I, what? Oh, yes. Don't forget about that. Talking about normalcy again. May the 30th, Memorial Day weekend, we have our first cookout we've had in over, in over a year. 
actually almost, well, year and a half, because we do do summers down at the creek. Exciting time. Uh, put that down on your calendar. Be ready for that. If you're watching, the meat's coming. If you're, if you're watching at home, um, come to our church, and uh, I don't care if you want to drive three hours to get here. That's cool with us, too. Just come, check us out, enjoy our fellowship we have down at the creek. Um, kids play in the creek and get all muddy, and we just eat a lot of food and have fun, so that's exciting. But now, I just want to invite you to turn your hearts to God and just focus on Him at this time. I hope you guys enjoy the service. One thing Chad didn't mention is if you've not been to one of our cookouts... It's been a year and a half since anybody's played cornhole down there at the creek. And if I remember correctly, the last time we were down there, Terry Pendleton got beat. So it's been a year and a half. Terry's had to live with that loss on his record, and he wants to defend, he wants to regain some stance as being a tough player. So, Keely, you're going to have to come, too, next on the 30th. You got a secret weapon to bring? Okay. So, uh, come on down there. Like I said, we've got the meat ordered already. Uh, we've got some Boston butts that will be cooked, and we will have that. You guys provide the sides, the drinks, the desserts. Bring your own chairs, and we'll have a good time down there on the 30th at 6 o'clock. But I also want us to continue to pray as we start our service together. Continue to pray for the Carroll family. Rebecca is here. It's the first time that she's been able to come in, in quite a long time. Even pre-COVID, she wasn't able to come. But continue to pray for, for them as they adjust to life with Doug being in glory. And like I said last week, he's doing what he loves to do this morning. We're going to be here singing praises. Doug is in the presence of his Savior singing praises. And so uh, just continue to pray for them as, as they start to try to get back to doing things like they used to and as they adjust to, to Doug not being there. Also, continue to pray for Peggy McCright. Peggy's leg is really hurting her right now. She is really uh, having a tough time with the pain. So continue to pray for her. But I've also got to share a praise with you. Last week I shared with you and asked you to pray for Bill Hell, Mike and Peggy's son-in-law in Illinois. At that point, Bill's heart, he had actually had what is considered a widow-maker heart attack, and his heart was only functioning at 3%. Well, since people around the, the, around the, the nation have been praying for him, Wednesday, he was moved from ICU. On Friday, on Thursday, he was up walking around and even shaved himself. And on Friday, he was possibility of him being able to go home. That is a miracle that the doctors could not do because they could not get to the damaged part of his heart but God could reach down and touch it. It's a miracle that we've been seeing right before our eyes. Also want to give a praise. If you see Jackie and Bruce, and they have got this goofy looking grin on their face that won't go away, it is because they got to meet in person their grandbaby. Anna Sophia, we were praying for her last week as well that she had been... Placed in hospital in the hospital in the children's hospital in Winston Salem um, because she was had lost two pounds and she wasn't getting the nutrition and, that she needed and uh, she is home and yesterday Bruce and Jackie got to go and Andy Uncle Andy got to go see her and hold her needless needless to say the preacher got a picture of two very very happy grandparents yesterday. Do what? You got to feed. You got the bottle feeder, Bruce. I'm, I swear he says he didn't, but the picture I got of Bruce holding that little girl, 
I swear he had tears in his eyes. And I wouldn't have blamed him if he did. Because she is adorable and they are so excited. So that is a praise as well because we've been praying for all of this for, for a month with all of this. So God again is doing a miracle here and we're so grateful for that. Yes. Yeah, Jonathan is having a procedure uh, Thursday in Charlotte. I know he's so excited about this one too. So pray for him and pray for his parents as he goes and has this. Those of you that are over the age of 50 understand what he's going to be facing. So uh, please uh, be in prayer for him as he does that. And uh, just continue to pray for us as a church. Pray that we will be the light in darkness. That we will be the lighthouse that we will show people the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it changes lives. And as we join together to worship this morning, let us start by going to the Lord in prayer. So join me in prayer. Blessed Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. Dear Lord, we lift your name on high today. And as we begin to worship, please take away all the concerns of the world. Don't let us think about how we're going to get gas. Don't let us think about what we're going to eat for lunch. Don't let us think about tomorrow. But for just this hour, dear Lord, please help us to focus fully on you. Because, dear Lord, without you, we're nothing. As we sing your praises this morning, dear Lord, let us honestly think about the words that we are saying. That we're not just singing out of repetition. That we're not just doing things because that's what you do in church. But we do it for your honor and glory. Dear Lord, you have heard the request that we have made this morning for the McCrites and and Miss Peggy, for Bill, Hale, and Tina, for Miss Rebecca, Lee, and Wendy, and the rest of the Carroll family, for Jonathan. The Lord, I also pray for Ralph Elliott as he is dealing with cancer right now, dear Lord. Dear Lord, all these They need you to show up in their lives and they need you to to fill them with your power and with your presence. And we ask you to do that right now, dear Lord. Dear Lord, we know that those of us that have accepted you as our personal Savior, that we have been indwelled with the Holy Spirit. And dear Lord, why we ask you that your Spirit move among your people this morning. that you open our ears and our hearts so that we may hear your word this morning, dear Lord, but that we will also allow it to change us. And dear Lord, we ask that as we are worshiping here, dear Lord, this will not just be something that we do inside this room, but when we leave this place today, that we understand that we are entering the mission field that we are called to be your witnesses and that we're commanded to make disciples and that we will do just that after we leave this place today. That we take our worship and we put feet on it and we go out into this world and we show them a different way. But while we're here, dear Lord, may everything that is done and said here today be to your honor and glory. And we ask all of this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. If nothing else, this past year has taught us a lot of things. It has taught us that we can't always depend upon all the people. We can't always depend upon our jobs, our money, 
our government. We can't even always depend upon our own health. But the one thing we can depend upon is Jesus Christ. We can have our assurance that is a blessed assurance that he will always be here for us. So let us stand and sing hymn number 334, Blessed Assurance. time we're going to have our children's sermon and so I want all the kids to focus in if you're here if you're at home um, I'm going to do something a little different Kennedy I asked Kennedy to come help me and she's going to come, come stand right here by help me and the reason I'm asking her to come help me and not one of the other kids because this might not work the way I want it to so I've tried it and I've practiced it about 10 times and I think I figured it out but I want to talk about fear because I know that is what Preacher Artie is talking about today. And so I want you to think about fear and I want you to think about this glass being us. And fears, all of our fears are represented by this water in this bottle. And so right now, there's no fears, maybe a drip to come out there. There's no fears, so, so you're not scared when I turn this over your head, right? No? So I want you to tell me something you're afraid of. What's one thing you're, what's something you're afraid of? Come on, tell me something. Um, falling. Falling? Like, if I'm doing a flipping, then I fall. Falling, she's afraid of falling, yeah. I don't know. Falling. Falling on my head. Uh, Tucker, what are you afraid of? Snakes. Zane, what are you afraid of? Where are you at? What are you afraid of? Spiders. We'll go Black Widow spiders. Presley, what are you afraid of? Lions? That's a legitimate fear. I don't think you really have to worry about it around here. Which when my, one time my grandpa did shave his collie to look like a lion. <laughs> True story. Um, Izzy, what are you afraid of? Bears? Okay. So I want you to think now, these fears take our life and they can control it if we're not careful. They fill us up. And they overwhelm us till we're just about to boil over. But God tells us that through Jesus, our fears are covered, that we don't need to fear anything. So just like this piece of cardboard, we're going to pretend like it represents the covering that Jesus gives us. It covers our fears. And so if I do this and I turn it over, 
our fears are covered, right? And so if I put this over her head, this is not going to work. I just, I'm afraid to do this because it's not going to work. Okay. I started to move my finger. It, I promise you, it worked like eight times. But I started to move my finger and it started to fall. So what was supposed to happen, and this is, this is like live TV, right? What was supposed to happen was I'm supposed to be able to move my finger because of science and the air. And I'm supposed to be able to move my finger. And our fears are covered. Our fears are covered by Jesus Christ. Okay, you can go sit down. But I'm going to share a Bible verse with you real quick. It worked a little bit. Psalms chapter 55, verse 22. It says, cast your burdens on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He will never permit the righteousness to be removed. All the things that overcome our life. Cast all those fears, all those cares, and all those burdens on God. And I promise you, you will be covered. And not even just a little bit will drip out like it did for me. Let's bow our heads and then I'm going to line up with the kids at the back door there. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for Jesus Christ that you sent to cover our sins. And that you're, you promised to cover our fears and our burdens and all of our cares. That we can put those on you. And you'll help us keep on going. Lord, we love you and we praise you. All this we ask in your name. Amen.
one thing that uh, we did forget to mention is the fact that today we are having our monthly business meeting immediately following the service. I can almost guarantee you it's not going to be very long. And I don't know if this is a good sign or if this is dangerous, but I've only got one page of notes today for this sermon. <laughs> what is it? What do you say about when your own child says something like that? Well, we did. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> This has actually been a great week for, for me and my, my wife. Um, it's one of the few times over the last year to two years, three years, that we've actually got to see all six of our children in one week. Um, we got a pleasant surprise Monday afternoon. My father-in-law called me. He said, what are you doing? He said, I'm sitting on the couch with a dog asleep in my lap. He says, good. He says, I'll be there in a minute. I said, where are you? He said, I'm at the hotel. So he, he spent the week with us, um, Charlie did, from, uh, from Tennessee. And then uh, Tuesday morning, Ginger's getting up to go drive a school bus. And she gets out of bed and get, does her thing. And I'm still laying there trying to go back to sleep. And I feel somebody lay down on the bed beside me. And I rolled over and opened my eyes, and it was my daughter Casey from Florida had, had come up. Everybody except us. Even Charlie knew she was coming. Ginger and I didn't know. But she came and spent the, the rest of the week with us. And then, yesterday morning, our sailor boy shows up at the house, and he's staying until early next week, or, or this week, I guess he's leaving... Monday or Tuesday, to go back uh, to, to uh, Virginia. But Jonathan is here. And so first time in a long time that we've got to see all of our kids in one week. And we're excited about that. But this past week, a friend of mine shared on Facebook. He said, I've got some really good sermon titles for any preachers that want to use them. One of them caught my eye. It said, gas tanks and church pews and other empty places. But all of them together started, started me thinking about the panic and the fear that has overtaken our world. And our society. You can drive around Bowling Springs. And it amazes me that the gas prices on the signs keep getting changed, but there's no gas in the pumps. And that's because of fear. Places, I stopped by McDonald's on the way to church today. They had one of their drive throughs closed and instead of you paying at the first window and going to the second window to pick up your food, they had you go to the second window to do everything. They had four people in that building working. They can't get anybody else to work. That's all over the place. There are businesses throwing $20 an hour to entice people to come work for them and they still won't come work. We are living in a world of fear. I saw something also online this past week. A pastor friend of mine shared this. He said that the government wants us to be afraid, wants us to be feared, so that they can be our Savior. But Jesus says, fear not, because He is our Savior. We are being trained to be afraid that somebody else has to take care of us because we can't do it ourselves. 
That is not scriptural. In fact, the Bible has the words, fear not or be not afraid, 365 times in the Bible. Can somebody tell me how many days are in our calendar year? 365. Coincidence? I think not. And on top of that, 25 more times, it's recorded that God tells us to be strong and courageous or have courage. On top of not being afraid, we are to have courage. So today's title is, or sermon is entitled, Living Fearlessly in a Scary World. We have to admit, it's scary out there, isn't it? And our text is one verse. Psalm 27, verse 1. If you will turn there and stand as I read this. If you don't have your Bibles with you, it will be on the screen. It will also be online on the screen there for those of you watching online. And this is what it says. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Blessed Heavenly Father, we come before You once again asking You to bless the reading of Your Word. Speak through me today, dear Lord, and may lives and souls be changed for eternity. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ our Savior we pray. Amen. See, David, when he wrote this, he was going through a very difficult time in his life. He was scared. And if you look, and even back into Psalms 23, he writes words like, Even though I pass through the shadow of the valley, or the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He starts off by saying, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And here he writes, and if you continue reading this, this, this 27th Psalm, he continues with the same theme about even though I'm attacked, even though I'm being accused of things, even though all this stuff is happening to me, God still has me. But why are we trying to, to be, why are we trying to have fear instilled in our lives? It's this, it's this reason. Because our enemy, Satan, the leader of the principalities of powers of this world, the ones that, that is leading the spiritual battle against us, he is always, constantly, consistently attacking us. See, in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says this, Be of sober spirit. Be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Now, little Presley, Miss B's great-granddaughter, Presley, she said she was scared of lions when Chad asked her what she was afraid of. And Chad is right. There are not very many lions here in North Carolina. I remember when we first moved here 17 years ago, um, there were a couple of tiger cubs that were spotted that had gotten loose and were over in Kings Mountain, up and down 85 somewhere. Um, But that's because they escaped from somewhere. But they are not naturally found here in North Carolina. But when Peter wrote this, He was in an area of the world where there were lions. And they did prowl. They would be walking down a road. And the possibility of a lion jumping out and getting them was very real to them. Have you ever watched a cat? Those of you that have cats or have seen cats. Have you ever watched one? 
when, he, when they've locked in on something and they're trying to catch it, they hunker down. They move very slowly. But they constantly keep their eye on the target. And they get so close to that target before it even realizes that it's there. And then they pounce. Church, Satan does that with us. Satan watches us. He very slyly and stealthily gets closer and closer to us. Many times we don't even see it coming until he ambushes us. So that's why we have to pay attention. And one of Satan's most successful weapons against us is fear. Why? Because fear has a way of getting us stopped. If you've traveled in Georgia, Florida, Texas, Louisiana, the southern states, even now into Tennessee and parts of North Carolina, there's this little animal called an armadillo. And down there in Florida, you see armadillos laying dead on the road all the time. Here, we've got possums that seem to be attracted to the road but can never get across it. Armadillos are the same way. One of, our, one of the armadillo's defensive mechanisms is to jump when it's afraid. You know, you're going down the road and, you, you come, and you're driving up and you see a raccoon or anything. It'll go to the right or the left when it sees your headlights and its headlights hits it. Armadillos don't. They freeze. Right there in the front of you. And if that was, if that was all they did... You'd be fine because most people, unless you're riding in a low-ride car like my Mustang, you would go right over top of them and they would be unscathed. But one of their defensive mechanisms also is not only do they freeze on the spot, but as the thing gets closer to them, they jump straight up. So as you pull up to them on the, in that car, on that road, as you get to them, what does it do? It jumps. Well, what's right there to meet them when they jump? Your bumper. Why do they do that? Because they're scared. They can't avoid what is coming because they're scared. Satan wants us to be scared so that we do the same thing. We freeze. We jump. We bolt. We run. And we don't stay on task. Many times, what fear does is keeps us sitting right there in that pew. But you see, Satan uses fear. Satan uses darkness. Think about that. As a child... One of the things you're afraid of is the dark. Darkness is isolating. It makes you feel alone. Mainly because you have no idea what's out there. You know, I like to hunt. It's been a while since I've been. But when you go get set up in your tree stand, you go early in the morning before it gets daylight. So you're up in your tree stand as the, light, the sun starts coming up. But you know what happens in those shadows? You hear things. You hear a lot of stuff when it's dark. 
and you can't see to see what it is. So your mind starts racing. What is that? You ever been in bed, and I'm asking the adults this, you ever been in bed and you sat straight up in bed in that dark because you heard a noise and you sat up trying to figure out what it was and where it was coming from, don't you? That's an adult. Darkness is scary. And Satan works in the darkness. He uses the darkness. The Bible says that anything that is done in darkness is not good. It says that. It's hidden. You think about some of these shady deals that have been done in our government. Shady deals that are done in businesses. Most of them that have been done have been done after hours. When things are shut down, they've been done in darkness to keep people away from it. Satan uses darkness. And then as well as darkness, Satan uses hopelessness. There is no more despairing place to be than being in the place of hopelessness. You don't feel any joy. You don't feel any hope. There is nothing for you. Satan uses hopelessness. That all hope is gone. He doesn't want you thinking good thoughts. He doesn't want you thinking that there is hope, that there's a way out. He wants to keep you right there. You know, uh, when I was in college, we had this thing called spots. It was basically spring break missions is what it was. And I went to St. Louis, Missouri to work with an inner city church and my team, that's what we were doing. Well, they actually had this thing where they did it with us is they wanted us to experience what it was like for some of the people that would attend that church. So they basically took everything that we had. They took our wallets, they took our clothes, they took everything. They gave us so much money and took us to the Goodwill store and said, you have to clothe yourself on whatever money we gave you. And whatever you don't spend, you get to keep and use to buy stuff. And then on top of that, we were supposed to do the work that we were there to do in the first place. And I'm going to tell you something. Within three days, we felt hopeless. We didn't care about doing what we were there to do because we felt hopeless. Learned a very valuable lesson right then. Is that our world is filled with hopelessness. People that don't understand or don't have hope. Satan uses that. Satan also uses helplessness. That you don't feel like you can do anything for yourself. That everything that you try fails. And you're just helpless. Satan uses that. He doesn't want us to understand that we can do all things through Christ who is our strength. He wants to keep us helpless. And He does that by using fear. He keeps us hopeless by using fear. And He keeps us in darkness because of fear. But our Savior, 
Jesus is constantly helping us and defending us. Look at that verse I read again in Psalms 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? You see, while Satan uses darkness, Jesus dispels the darkness because He is our light. I tell Timothy to go outside and get something out of the shed after 9 o'clock and it's dark. What does he do? He grabs a flashlight to go out there to see. I grab a flashlight to go out and see. Because why? Because light dispels the darkness. You can see where your foot's going to be. You can see if you're going to step on a copperhead. You can see if you're going to step in something. You can see what is making that noise. And light makes things not so scary. But Jesus is our light. He dispels the darkness. And then while Satan uses hopelessness, Jesus dispels hopelessness because He is our hope and He is our salvation. Satan wants us to, to, to trust in Him. See, Satan, Satan wants to be this counterfeit Savior. From the very beginning, if you think about how He went and tempted Jesus in the, in the, the wilderness after His 40 days of fasting, everything that He did was to get Jesus to go against what God's plan was. And it was to give Satan the honor and glory. He even said, if you bow down and worship me right now, I'll do this and this and this. But you know what? Satan does not have that authority. If you read the book of Job, Job was tried. He had everything stripped from him. If there was any man that had the right to feel helpless, to feel hopeless and feel all alone, it was Job. But I want you to notice that in the beginning of that story, every time Satan wanted to do something to Job, who did he have to go talk to first? He had to go ask permission from God to do anything to Job. He didn't have the authority. He could not do anything. Church, I'm going to tell you something. Satan has no authority over us whatsoever because Jesus Christ is our Savior. He can't touch us. We cannot find hope in Him. We cannot find hope in our government. We cannot find hope in anybody else other than Jesus Christ. And when we have that hope, when we have been claimed and we have been sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that nothing can rip us from His hands. He has got a hold of us and He will not let go. He has promised us that He will come back for us. He has promised us that He will never leave us nor forsake us. And He has kept every promise that He has ever made. And Satan uses helplessness. But Jesus dispels helplessness because He is our defense. Martin Luther wrote a, a, a hymn. What a mighty fortress is our God. Now you just think about that. What a mighty fortress is our God. Paul writes that if God is for us, who can be against us? We sing songs about angel armies. Paul also writes, I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. In Philippians 
He is our defense. He is our might. I love the way that verse in Philippians reads in Spanish. Todo lo puedo en Cristo que me fortalece. I can do all things in Christ who is my strength. But that word fortalece, what does that sound like? Fortress. He is our defense. He is our power. We are not helpless because God is there. Paul also writes that he has not given us a spirit of fear or a spirit of timidity, but he has gave us courage. He has given us strength. See, Jeremiah writes, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. God has a plan for us. And that plan does not include fear. While we are being taught and be made to become accustomed to fear and being afraid, that is not God's plan for us. God does not want us to be living in fear, afraid of doing anything. And listen, this affects preachers and everybody else because we're afraid too. We're afraid of being labeled something. You can't say anything. And it's getting scarier and scarier because we're seeing every day something in the news about some preacher that has been arrested because he preached God's Word and it went against what was considered socially acceptable. That is scary. But you know something? If I get arrested, I will be in some pretty good company because Jesus got arrested. Peter got arrested. Paul got arrested. All the disciples got arrested for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I count it all joy to suffer for the cause of Christ. Church, our world is a scary place to live. Bruce shared with us Wednesday night during prayer meeting that uh, they're having an unprecedented amount of mental health issues within the school system right now for adolescents and teens. Because as a result of this pandemic, of the social isolation that we have had to endure, and you realize how difficult it is to communicate with people? When you go talk to somebody and they've got a mask on, can you read facial expressions? No. We don't receive those cues from people because we can't see them. We can't get that social bonding that we need because we can't get near people. Chad has said that it has been very difficult on him. Listen, I'm a hugger. Those of you that know me know I love to hug. It has been difficult. I love to shake hands. It's been difficult. People are afraid. But we've got the source of encouragement. We've got the source of strength. And we need to share that with everybody that we know. Jesus doesn't tell us to be afraid. He tells us to fear not, to be strong and courageous, to push forward. You know, Paul, when he's talking about the, 
the full armor of God that we are to put on because we're in battle. It says when you have done everything, that you've done everything that you possibly could do. He says, then is the point that you need to stand strong. Don't give up. You know, I, I, I like uh, Tolkien's books, the, the, the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings, and I love the movies that Peter Jackson produced and directed. And in one of the army, one of the, 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 the scenes of, their, of uh, the two towers, the second book in the, in the trilogy, The Lord of the Rings, in the movie, it shows this army fighting against the evil forces that are coming through. And the evil forces have broke through into their, into their fortress in Helm's Deep. And they are held up, the few remaining soldiers and the king are held up in the, in the throne room. And he says, I don't know what we're going to do next. We have been defeated. And Aragorn says, ride out with me. Let's meet them. Let's stand strong. And, and, and the king says, Theoden, he says, if this is going to be our end, let it be a glorious, glorious ending. And they mount up on their horses and they ride out into the middle of this attacking army. And they're fighting. And they're fighting. And as they get to where they think they are done, they look up. And there is another army coming to help them. And they ride in and they end up winning the battle. Church, that's what Jesus does for us. He is there fighting with us. But just when we think that we can't, He can. Just when we think it's over, He shows up and shows out and we win the victory. That is how we live fearlessly in a scary world is that we live with the power of Jesus Christ. We trust Him. I'm going to share something that may be shocking to you. We cannot depend on the government to meet all our needs. That may make some people mad, but that's the truth. The government cannot save us. When we die, that's it. We can't depend on each other to save us. When we die, that's it. But with Jesus, it's a totally different story. Because He died to save us. But He didn't stay dead. Three days later, He rose again. And you know what happens is if we've accepted that fact, we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, when we, when we die, that is when our salvation is then made complete. We are made whole. And we are in presence of the Savior when we die at that point. So why in the world will we be afraid? Why would we be scared? Because when we die, we get Glory. We get heaven. We get eternal life. We get to walk through those gates made of pearl. And we get to, we get to walk on the streets paved in gold and look at the crystal sea and stand and kneel and bow before the Almighty God and sing praises to His name. We get to meet Moses. We get to meet Abraham. We get to meet Timothy. We get to meet Paul. We get to meet John. And we get to meet Jesus. What better company is there? That is the hope that we have through Jesus Christ. So why do we fear? Church, that's how we live fearlessly in a scary world.
as we claim the power of Jesus Christ. Now, as we go into this time of invitation, if you're scared right now, turn it over to God. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you don't know where you're going to spend eternity, I'm going to do two things. One, I'm going to pray that you get that taken care of right now. You don't leave this place without it. But if you do leave this place, here's my prayer, and this is going to sound mean. I'm going to pray you're miserable. That you're going to be downright miserable. You're not going to be able to sleep at night. And that God's Spirit will not leave you alone until you get it settled. That's my prayer. Because I want you to know the peace and the hope and the power that comes through knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you're watching online right now, there are people monitoring the service online. If you want to know, just say something in the comments and somebody will get a hold of you. Somebody will reach out to you and they will talk to you about knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. Don't leave today without having that taken care of right now. If you are looking for a place to go to church to become part of a family, prayerfully consider joining here. We would love to have you. But make sure you listen to what God is telling you right now as we sing these songs. Would you stand as we sing our hymn of invitation, number 310, Out of My Bondage, Sorrow and Night. 310. to do that. I'm going to ask David if he'll come. But as he comes, I'm going to ask Whitey if he wouldn't mind dismissing us in prayer from our service before we start our business meeting. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to get us come out and hear your word, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would apply these words to our life so we would know no fear that you are the Almighty. Lord, be with each person here. Jesus Christ, I'm going to do pray. Amen.